Hey friend, are you struggling to find consistent paid speaking gigs? Do you want to know the exact six steps that you can take to find and book more paid speaking opportunities in 2024? Well, we want to make that easy for you. We've created a new free resource with the help of Dan Irvin, one of our highly successful speakers on our team. Dan has booked over $100,000 in paid speaking gigs in the last few years, and his six-step process is going to help you maximize your chances of getting booked and paid to speak in any industry. You're going to learn how to get started prospecting, master discovery calls, and proposal emails and so much more. All you got to do is go to thespeakerlab.com slash steps and we're going to send you this 18-page guide straight to your inbox. Again, that is thespeakerlab.com slash steps and you're going to get that free guide. Hey, thanks for listening. You're awesome. Hey, what's up, friends? Grant Baldwin here. Welcome back to the Speaker Lab podcast. We are here on episode 216. Today, we're going to be having a repeat guest talking about kind of a, a specific niche topic in the speaking world. But before we get to that, I wanted to remind you, if you haven't already joined our free Facebook group, we would love for you to check that out. You can do that by going over to thespeakerlabgroup.com, thespeakerlabgroup.com. Com. Check it out. It's a free group with over 10,000 other speakers who are helping each other build and grow their business. We'd love for you to be a part of that. Again, it's totally free. Check it out, thespeakerlabgroup.com. So today we are talking with Judson Lipley. Uh, Judson was actually on episode 107 a while back, and uh, Judson's a good friend, and uh, we've spoke at a couple of events together, and a great speaker. He is best known as the guy from YouTube world of evolution of dance, and so he uh, if you remember that video, he's that dude. So today we're going to be talking in a, again, kind of a specific topic. We're going to be talking all things showcases, what a showcase is, how do showcases work. We're also going to talk about specifically how this relates in the college market. So APCA and NACA are two of the big ones that you may have heard of, you may be familiar with. We're going to talk about how showcases and specifically APCA and NACA, how they choose speakers, whether or not you should look into them. We're also going to talk about how to think about positioning your talk as a speaker in the college market. So being some type of topic-based speaker versus just a generic leadership motivational speaker. So we've got a lot to cover here. So uh, let's get right into it. Here's my conversation with my buddy Judson Lipley. Enjoy. Hey, what's up, my friends? Grant Baldwin here today, joined by my buddy Judson Lipley, who has uh, actually was on the show back in episode 107. Do you remember that far back? I, I do. All right. So we had uh, we had Judson on then, had a great conversation. Definitely go back, listen to that episode. Judson has done a lot of speaking in the education and college space, does a lot more today in the corporate space. Uh, so again, if you want some of his background and story, go check that out. He's most well known for his dancing abilities. So a little fun fact, you at one point had the most viewed video on YouTube, correct? I did for four years until... Uh, four years is a long time in YouTube. It was. Yeah. And in, in YouTube years, that's ancient. I mean, that's... That's forever, but I basically had the number one video till Bieber hit puberty, and then it was all downhill from there. <laughs> yep. So once he like once he started going going big, like he just demolished everyone until and he. So what, uh, and tell me what what video that was. The evolution of dance. Evolution of dance. You were that guy. Everyone right now is going like, whoa, whoa, whoa I remember that video. Yeah. You you were that guy. I was that guy. All right. So we talk, we talk about the dance in uh, episode 107. So definitely, again, uh, I'd recommend people go check that out. So today we're going to be talking about, in the college market specifically, there is, and actually even in corporate market, there are these things called showcases. And showcases are these opportunities to basically get in front of potential decision makers. And so we're going to, we get a lot of questions about that. So we, I know you have, uh, I've done a couple of showcases. I know you've done several, uh, specifically a couple in this college market that we'll talk about. Let's start by just 
again, from a high level perspective, like what exactly is a showcase? Sure, sure. So one of the most interesting things I think about the business of speaking is our product itself, what we do is our number one marketing tool. Yeah. And so the more you can do that, the more chance you have of people hiring you to do it again. It's why, you know, when people are getting started in the business, you say, speak everywhere, speak anywhere you can, no matter for free, wherever, you know, go to your local clubs and, you know, you get practice, but then people also see you do it. And so showcasing is basically, it's kind of a pay to play model in a way, but you get the opportunity to do a small amount of time in front of people who will book you to do what it is you're going to do. So in the college market, you have activity directors, orientation leaders, people who bring speakers, you know, and we're speaking solely about the, the speaking side of things because there is the, with the, the showcases within some of the college associations and organizations are broad. So speaking is one of the area, or the lecture series, they call it the lecture area is kind of where the speakers fall into place. But essentially you have an audience full of people who potentially could hire you and are fully aware that you are performing in order for them to possibly hire you, which is what's really nice because it's some audiences, you know, people come up afterwards and they're like, oh my gosh, do you do you do this for a living? Like, would you come to our business or organization and do this? And in your mind, you're like, what do you, yes, of course I will. That was the point of all of this. Yeah. But at least when you're doing a showcase, it's, it's well known with the people who are watching. We're here to watch people perform and speak with the possibility of us using them sometime in the future of hiring them sometime in the future. So in my opinion, there is really no better way to promote your business than getting a showcase. Really? I, I just, cause I think it's difficult. It's not the easiest thing to do and there's an art to it and a science and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, it's going to be any other marketing that you can do because again, it's our ability to do exactly what it is. People want to hire us to do. Right. As, as I just think the best thing we can do. Yeah. And it's, and uh, the key being that it is the audience is decision makers who are specifically looking to hire speakers. So you may have an audience of not in a showcase, but just in a normal event of, you know, 200 or 500 people. And they're just there to see you do your thing. And like you mentioned before, they may not make the connection that this is something that you do and you could do in other ways. But when you're doing a showcase, everybody in the audience for the most part is there because they are looking to hire a speaker for their college or for their event. And so in some ways the, the showcases I've done, it's kind of a weird dynamic because you're there almost to do an infomercial and you may be, you know, so for example, if you're doing a college showcase, the room is may or may not be filled with a lot of college students. And so you need to speak to them like they're the audience and you're kind of showing like an infomercial, like this is what I would do, but you're talking to, you know, maybe not necessarily that group. So it's just kind of a, a weird dynamic of how that can be, especially when you're, you're doing it from the perspective of, these people aren't here to necessarily learn something. These people are here to decide whether or not they want to hire me. Yeah, it totally it is. And, and that's one of the, the, when it comes to the art of showcasing itself, that's one of the things sometimes I think people, you have to keep that in the back of your mind, but you, you have a very small amount of time and nothing I think is funnier. I don't think it's funny. It's just, you can always tell when somebody's a little greener, when within their time, they say, oh, if I had more time, I would. Yeah, yeah. Or normally in my show, I would. Well, people know that they're not seeing you the whole, they know, they know you're not seeing the whole thing, right? But give them a slice of your best stuff. And you're literally wasting seconds by telling them <laughs> you don't have enough, you know, it's kind of one of those things where like, they know it, they get it, but it is knowing who is in the audience is 
difficult in the college market because you have to do those two things. You got to show that it's going to be beneficial to college students, but you also have to show that it's you're, you're, you're kind of auditioning for an adult or a mid-level adult. You know, some of the, you know, some of the activities directors are maybe in their early twenties, but some are all the way up into their fifties and sixties who have, if it's a small school, it might be the VP of student affairs who actually runs the activities board as well. Or it could be a VP of student affairs who runs orientation. So yeah. there's definitely a good knowing really who's in the audience is always a, is a good aspect. Right. Now, the in terms of just showcases in general, you I know of a couple in the education space and I have a few in the college space. And it seems like from in the more the, the corporate association type world, oftentimes it is bureaus who are hosting those and putting those on. Do you know of any other type of showcases in the you know corporate association space that are not promoted by bureaus? Bureaus usually are the ones that do it. Once in a blue moon, you might find an opportunity that'll come up. Some and I wouldn't call it so much a showcase as in kind of a perfect storm. Sometimes you might get hired by um, a CVB or some of the state tourism and activity boards, things like that, which oftentimes can really be, this is another kind of one of those little secret areas that I don't think people understand or realize. So convention and visitors bureaus, there's pretty much one for almost every major city. And some of the cities have huge, huge, huge convention and visitors bureaus. Well, they're usually formed and funded by a combination of hotel tax, city dollars, all those sorts of stuff. And their entire job is to get organizations, companies, and associations to bring business in the form of usually conferences to their cities. Yeah. So sometimes they put on events or they'll host events. Cities will host events to showcase their city. Yeah. And if you ever get an opportunity to do one of those, and sometimes they'll hire you to do it. That's the nice thing. Sometimes they'll hire you to do it. They'll pay you a fee or a portion, you know, Maybe not as much as your full fee or something, but it's the same thing because you've got a room full of associations who aren't necessarily even going to be coming back to that city or that state, but still are almost always looking for speakers. So that's one of the only areas I found outside of a bureau hosting a showcase, which I think bureau showcases are great too. If you get an opportunity to do those, they don't always pan out like the hard part is, is with showcasing, most people think, oh my gosh, if I can just get one showcase, then I'm going to be set for the rest of my career. And the college market used to be really good when it came to that, but it's changed a lot in the last five, six years, like everything else has with just the, the internet and things like that. And it's not quite as lucrative from a go to do one showcase and everything's going to be fine from there. Yeah. Well, at the same time, I think like as speakers, we oftentimes can fall into that trap of if I can just do this one thing, meaning like if I just speak at this one event, maybe it's not even a, sh- a showcase, it's just this one marquee event, or if I can just connect with yeah. this other speaker, if I can just get in with this bureau, then I'm set. And like, you know, you and I have both been in the, the industry for long enough to know like, doesn't work like that. And oftentimes it's almost like the complete opposite of like, if I could just do this one thing and then I do the one thing and like, it didn't turn into anything else and it just didn't lead to, to anywhere that I was, I was hoping or anticipating. <laughs> yeah, it never does. I mean, the, the old, old, you'll hear people if they, if somebody has the opportunity and they go to a NACA or they showcase at a NAPCA or an APC, like they'll hear stories about the old days, Yeah, which is all of 10 years ago where you could, especially if you were a comic, I mean, there were comics that would go that would be a little unknown. They would go and showcase and they would get a hundred shows in yeah. the next school year. And it would be literally from zero to hero. They would go from having no money, making $100 doing a club set for four nights in a row, make 100 bucks or whatever, to making 
150,000 doing 100 college shows over the course of a school year. Yeah. And you would have some of those stories. Now, the speaker ones, you might get lucky if you got 10 yeah. you know, in one semester. Or uh, one of the appeals in the college market for, for showcasing that people will hear but isn't as relevant to speakers is something called block booking. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of what the association itself does to entice people to come join the association. And the way it works is they'll have these showcase blocks. So if you get picked to do a showcase, there's showcase blocks throughout the day, depending on which area. So let's say you get a lecture showcase. That means you get 15 minutes in front of a group. And there's usually, I think six. So after that's done, they would go to a marketplace either immediately afterwards or several hours later. And they walk around this marketplace and they fill out these forms and say that they're interested and possibly bringing someone to campus. Now, if you're really good, they might do what's called a CR, which is a contract request, which basically means we like you. We know how much you cost. This is the date we want to book you. We want to request a contract right now. Yeah. That's, that's the goal. That's the, oh my God, that's amazing. Great, great. <laughs> this worked. <laughs> Correct. And that does not happen very often. Yeah. Because very, very little does... The other great part about being in the room with all those decision makers is you usually have committees of decision makers. And so yeah. they all, it's college students. They all want to sit around and talk about what they want and you know, make the decision. The most common one is kind of an interest form, which basically they fill out the same form, but they mark a block that just says they're interested. And then every night, both the regionals and the nationals for these conferences, they have a block book meeting, which essentially means all the people are there. And if you're doing a regional, it's usually much more efficient because it's not as big. But they would say, okay... So, for example, Wisconsin, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota are part of what's called the Upper Midwest region for NACA. They have their conference in the spring. So let's say that I am a brand new speaker. I got this great topic. I do an amazing showcase, and there's a bunch of schools that are interested. They sit in a room, and they go, okay, so let's say it's a topic, and we can get into this a little bit later as far as the difference between just a speaker and a topical performer that might have an appeal for the broad campus to do a show on like a Tuesday night versus being speaker in the beginning of a leadership conference. So they would say, okay, we want to have them on September 20th, but we don't have the full budget. And NACA asks you to give a pricing what's called three and five and five and seven, which means you will agree to do a discounted show if three schools will book you within the same five day one. So you could do three yeah. in a row or you could do one, have a day off, do another, have a day off, do another. Yep. And then they have a five and seven price. And then what happens is the schools will start agreeing to book their show when you're going to be in the area. Gotcha. So if you've got a really good, like there's a friend of mine in the college market, a guy named David Coleman, who's been there for a very, very long time. He's won speaker of the year several times. He's a, he's a great speaker. He speaks about dating and relationships. Well, you can do a dating and relationship program on pretty much any night of the week. Yeah. You cannot do a how to get the most out of your life, live the best life you want. Make college count. Be, make college count. You cannot do any of those programs in a general population, so to say. Right. Meaning like if you just put up a sign that says, oh, come watch Motivational Speaker on Tuesday night at seven o'clock, some people might show up. I'm not saying no one will show up. I'm not disparaging anyone's performances or saying anyone's a bad speaker. But that's one of the hard parts about the college market. You have to keep in mind. I had a friend who worked at a school when I first got started. And this is how I kind of came up with the title of my show that I did when I first started in the college market. She said, my job is twofold. One, I have to put seats in the butt. Butts in the seat, not seats in the butt. That would be funny. I got to put butts in the seat. Yeah. yeah. I got to 
provide something that I know people are going to come out for. Whether I agree with it, whether I think it's worthy of the cost makes no difference. But then she also said the other side when it comes to the speaker side is she also has to do something that is hopefully going to be worthwhile for them and their time. Yeah, There was a big blow up. I don't know if you remember back in the day when Jersey Shore was first really popular, when it was probably in about its third or fourth year of popularity, Rutgers University booked Snooki to do a performance. And the same week, they also had Maya Angelou. Well, it word got out that they paid Maya Angelou $30,000 and they paid Snooki (laughs) $35,000. And it was a really big uproar and all these people were angry. And then when the person, because I happen to know the person that booked Snooki, like the agent for Snooki. And he said, what most people don't realize is Snooki did two shows back to back. There were 2,500 people in each show. Wow. Maya Angelou did one show and there were 400 people. Yeah. So yeah. who's a better value? Right, right. You know, you, you can argue about whether it was good or bad. Right? <laughs> it's kind of the pop culture of the time. Correct. And that's one of the difficult things as a speaker. Most of us have really great stuff. And we know that this is stuff that is valuable to these students at this time in their lives. Right. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to care about coming out and seeing. It. Yeah. Specifically on the college market, let's zoom out for a second. Uh, you've mentioned a couple different groups and organizations. The two big ones are NACA, uh, NACA, which is the uh, National Association of Campus Activities. Correct. I believe. And APCA, APCA, which is the... Campus promotion. Um, it's like the Association for Promotion of Campus Activities. Hang I think. on, I think I got it. Yeah. Uh, Association for the Promotion of Campus Activities. Bingo. Yeah. So APCA, uh, which you can find over at uh, APCA.com and NACA, NACA.org. So those are going to be the two big ones in the college space. And so you had mentioned before that early on, uh, or at least several years ago, that those were kind of the gateways to colleges. And it's not necessarily that just it's not necessarily as strong of that anymore but kind of explain to us a big picture apka naka how do they work and then what's the role for for speakers with them sure sure i still think even though it's not you know this is a classic thing that happens when you have one experience and things change they have evolved and so has just the way speaking gets speakers get booked and things i still think the college market is the single easiest barrier to entry area when it comes to speaking solely because of these two organizations, APCA and uh, NACA. So NACA is more of the professional association, meaning it's, it's the more well-attended. APCA was started by somebody else who basically was kind of a little angry at NACA, didn't feel that NACA was meeting all the needs. That There was enough of people. If you look at it from just a pure statistical standpoint, the schools that have more money oftentimes go to NACA, the schools mm-hmm. that have less money go to APCA. Now, that doesn't mean there are not schools with a lot of money at APCA and sure. vice versa. Just overall, the demographics of the people that are... So there's a lot more community colleges, a lot more technical schools that go to APCA because they try to keep their costs down for the schools, whereas NACA is a little more expensive. So depending on who you're going after and who your target is from those types of schools, you know, if you have a program on career skills and interviewing skills... Maybe you want to start at the the technical schools and the community college where people probably are even really more interested in that. There's a little bit more want and desire for that aspect. So they're, they're both created to provide a combination of professional development for the professional staff, leadership development, and personal development for the student staff 
and then seeing acts meeting with different companies that provide a host of services geared around student activities on college campuses. So they almost all kind of run the same formula. They attend a conference. NACA has seven regions and then one national. So they do six of the regionals. I think it's seven now. Six of the regionals in the fall and one regional in the spring. And then nationals is almost always in February. Yeah. So people attend and then they literally spend all day. They get up in the morning. They might go to some educational sessions, which we can talk about that in a little bit because that's an area where sometimes speakers can work in that they, they won't see as many people, but they might have a few more people even more engaged in that and maybe get one or two schools to bring them in or something along those lines, yeah. go to some educational sessions and then they watch an, a two hour block of showcases. Then they might go to another set of educational sessions and then they go to a marketplace. So the marketplace is basically where kind of all the interaction happens. They've got, everyone's got booths set up. Some of the companies that do the different, they call them novelty acts, which would be yeah. like the zip line or the climbing wall, or the bouncy castle, or the stuff-a-bear, or the uh, wax hands. I mean, all these sorts of weird things that you can do. And then students are just walking around this marketplace talking to people. And usually the, the thing that people want to see happen, if you showcase, then you go back to the marketplace, and then you have what's called booth traffic. And then people are coming to your booth to talk to you. That's kind of the way things work if it goes well. Unfortunately, sometimes you showcase and you stand in your booth and nobody comes and visits you. <laughs> right. So I haven't done a showcase at NACA or APCA. I've done uh, several things with a group called NODA, the National Orientation Directors Association. They kind of a similar format. They have a lot of different regions, one main national conference, and uh, they don't necessarily have a showcase, but I've presented as a keynote and workshops and both regional and on the, the national scale. And there's pros and cons with both. I remember one of the things though with APCA and NACA, and I don't remember if, if you told me this several years ago or someone else, but said, you know, as a speaker, yes, it's a way to get booked. But one of the things to remember is, and you kind of touched on this, is you are competing against a lot of other acts, so to speak. Meaning that, yes, there are speakers there, but there's also comics, there are bands, there are musicians, there are jugglers or performers or magicians or like all kinds of things that... And you're the speaker with the microphone. So you've got to, you know, given the choice between here's a generic motivational speaker versus an up and coming hot comic, like that can be difficult, like from a competitive standpoint. And so do you find like that organizations and, and colleges and groups are there specifically looking for speakers or looking for a specific act? Or do you feel like you have some competition with some of those other types of acts that are there? Yeah, you definitely have competition. The organizations themselves are always tweaking the formats. For a long time, in the early days, they would do a two-hour block of showcases, and they were 20 minutes back in the day. It was 20 minutes per person. And what was always interesting is they used to start off with a speaker. So the lecture showcase – so let's, let's, well, well, let's back it up a minute because I'm sure people are wondering, how do you get a showcase? So you submit for almost show, – showcases are always by submission. It's not just a random drawing. It's things like that. Yeah. And we'll talk, we can talk more about the submission process in a minute because they're a little different for the, those two main, main as more, uh, organizations. Now they've kind of started to – and this is how you know that we're lecturers or speakers are a very small piece of this puzzle or this big pie because they have one showcase block. That's it. And they used to be the only showcase block. Like it was fine because that was the only thing going on. Well, now a lot of them run that next to another showcase because they found that of the people that are attending, 
75 to 80% of them are not there to book a speaker. Now, that doesn't mean their school's not there to book a speaker. So most schools will send more than one student. They might send six students. And you've got one student that's in charge of concerts, one that's in charge of comedy, one that's in charge of speaking, one that's in charge of diversity, one that's in charge of social, uh, something else. So yeah. four of them will go to the regular showcase, so to say. And then the one person who's in charge of the speaker might go to the speaker showcase. Yeah. So yeah, it is difficult because we as speakers are a very small piece of the overall pie of each one of those conferences. Right. Now you mentioned the submission process. It's not just like, uh, oh, I, they're just going to have me come do it. And so <laughs> it seems like, again, outside looking in, like, okay, the showcase just sounds like a dream come true. So how would I go about getting my foot in the door for an APCA or an NACA? Yeah. So this is where it gets, this is where it gets a little tricky in APCA is what's called a pay to play. You can, if you have enough money and you're willing to invest enough money into it, you can get a showcase, which means you can essentially contact the association, become a member, buy a booth, because all of them require you to have a booth presence, which means you have to have representation from someone in a booth, which means you have to pay to be in a booth in order to showcase. Now, the nice thing about APCA is if you buy a booth, you can oftentimes get a showcase. If you buy a bigger booth, you can sometimes get two showcases. So if you're an agency, you can pay a little more money and get showcases like that. That is one of the reasons I think that that, so that organization overall isn't always necessarily drawing the best buying talent. talent. Yeah. Because if there's no barrier to who gets on stage, yeah. then overall eventually... Now, that's part of the reason why it's good though, because that means somebody who isn't so here's how the NACA submission works. And this is what makes it really, really difficult. So you have to have representation, which means you can join NACA yourself, or I would suggest trying to find representation with an agency. Now, people are going to say, oh my God, how do I find representation with an agency? Yeah. Here's the best thing that you can do. You can go to the NACA website. You can find a list of all the agents that are booking the most business because they have things like they do reviews and they, 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 they do all sorts of things and you can find the ones that are doing a lot. You find the agency that kind of most aligns with you, go to the agency's website and they almost always have an area in there that say submission for representation or you're an act, blah, blah, blah. Follow whatever their guidelines are because what most people don't realize is they, they take the time to look at pretty much everything. Everything, those agencies are always looking for new people to represent. They're always looking for something new. That doesn't mean that they're going to hate you, love you. But what it means is if you can't follow their directions on their website and you try, to, you try to go around that or do something different, they're going to be like, listen, that's test number one. <laughs> because you are going to, you know, the hard part about having an agency in the college market is most of the acts think like it's a one-to-one -one relationship with them and their agency. But it's right. not. Their agency might have 30, 40, 100 people on their roster. So sometimes the acts, you know, they'll call their agents during the day just to ask random questions. And the agents are always like, listen, if I'm talking to you on the phone, that means I'm not calling schools. So don't call me during the day unless it's an emergency. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can get an agency representation, which is the easiest way, the agency almost always will do a mass submission. Now, most submissions are done digitally now through Sonic Bids, I think is the name of the website that they use. For lectures, there's a committee of people who will meet and they take all the submissions and you have, you have what's called a three-minute video. So this is where it's a little unique, that's a little bit different. The lecturers kind of have their own way. 
when they're watching videos for what are called main stage showcases, which are the bands or the comics and all those things, they watch minute number one. And then everyone goes around the circle and either does a thumbs up or a thumbs down. If they get enough thumbs up, they move it into another pile. They go through every submission. Now, when I say a lot of submissions, you're talking six, seven, eight hundred submissions for maybe 40 slots total. So they get a lot. It's a long weekend for those committees. And the committee is usually made up of half students and half professional staff. So they have a mix of people in there from different backgrounds and different things so that it's not just one particular group. For the lecturers, they will usually watch all three minutes which means they'll watch all three minutes of your video. Then they'll put in, they'll, there'll be an immediate no pile that they'll just, no, 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 maybe, maybe, maybe. Okay. 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 And then they move into the maybe piles and then they'll, they'll start whittling that down. Now they do take into consideration every aspect. So they take into consideration race, religion, gender topics, all those things. And so you're not going to see a whole bunch of men. It's not going to be all men in the lecture thing. It's not going to be all women. It's not going to be all one thing. So it might be the year that you submit, you had a really amazing video and there's somebody else that's very similar to you that just happens to be a little bit better and they might get the showcase over you. Even though you might feel in your heart, you're better than three of the other five people that got their showcases. Right. But part of NACA's mission is to bring a diverse range of things to this population of students that are coming here. So that's one of the hard things about it is the art of making a good showcase video is step one to get it. And then the art of actually showcasing in your time is another part. So of all the people that I know that have ever sat on the committee of all the people I know who have ever submitted things, the biggest thing to do from a showcase video standpoint as a speaker is to showcase your best three minutes. If you can in one solid three minute chunk, don't waste time at the beginning giving them your credentials and your, oh, I had an introduction from this person or I was on this news program, all that stuff. They don't care. They want to see the meat and potatoes. They want to see what it is you do that makes you you. What is it that you bring to the table that's different than everyone else for watching? And show me that in that three minutes. But also include more time after that. Right, right. So, so include some other stuff maybe after that third minute so that if it's between you and three other people, they can go watch some other things that will hopefully continue to show more of what you got. Well, I think this is, I think one caveat here that's really helpful for people to understand is that they're not looking, like if you're a brand, if you're listening to this going like, I'm a brand new speaker and going like, I want to speak in colleges. And so Apka and NACA sound like the, they're the ticket. So these are for speakers who they have some experience. They've done some speaking. They don't necessarily mean that they're the best in the world or they've been at it for a decade or anything, but it's not like they've never done any college gigs at all. And so if like who would a showcase or who would Apka or NACA be a good fit for? If I'm listening to this, how do I know whether or not I should go down this route? I would say if you have little to no experience in the college market, I would start out at APCA. I think because you can, if you want, if you're willing to throw some money at it and you just want to go get the experience of showcasing, you can contact NAP, you can contact both NACA and APCA and you can get like a one day guest pass to just attend the conference. Yeah. Which if you've never been to one, if you've never had that experience, I would a hundred percent tell people to go. Totally. If there's ever any conference you want to speak at, if there's like, if you've got that bucket list conference of, oh, I want to speak at this, then go at once for one day. Most of the time, most conferences will let you buy a day pass of some sort 
just so you can go and kind of get a feel for it and see or those types of things. So I would do that for both APCA and NACA. You can go to the website. You can find where they're at. NACA's got seven regions. So there's going to be one with at least within, with the exception of the West Coast, probably. There'll be one within at least driving distance. So you could, you know, find a way to drive there. But it's worth it to go and see what's happening and even just interview some people, talk to some people while you're there about those types of things. If you're a little more seasoned, if you feel that you are ready because you've got quality video, you've got a good topic, you've got a good marketing thing behind it because that's the other part. When you're trying to get with an agency, the agency isn't looking for a brand new, totally green act. Um, They need somebody that's got a little bit of polish because they don't want to spend the time you know, their, their money is made when they're on the phone selling. Totally. And that's where our money comes from when they're on the phone selling us. So they don't want to spend the time to handhold you through, okay, well, this is what you need to put in your video. Now they'll help you, but they're not going to take a ton of time. Right. So if you're a little more polished, if you have, if you have some good video footage, things like that, I think NACA is a good place to go for the people who are more serious and ready for that next step. You've done, right. you've done maybe a hand, a couple dozen programs here or there and you're finding that you really like the college market that your program really really lends credence to the college market right. uh, from that aspect so i do know that they're not supposed to but i do know in the past that i believe some showcase committees have watched when it gets down when they're whittling down those final things and they're looking at other stuff they will go online and look at some of the history of an individual check and just make sure that there's not a, especially in today's world, you know, check and make sure that the person that they're thinking about bringing wasn't once accused of something bad or convicted of something bad or, you know, got arrested last week or sent a really bad tweet or anything along those lines. So, you know, your online personality and your online portfolio becomes a bigger part of the picture. Yeah. It really matters anymore. Yeah. Now, one of the other things you've kind of touched on here is that with APCA and NACA is that let's assume that you've got a little bit of experience there and it can certainly lead to gigs. It's not inexpensive to go be a part of, and this is not a, a paid gig. This is really more of a, a marketing gig that may have the potential to lead to other gigs. So I know even from, again, going back to like Noda, for example, I remember like you had to be like, you had to pay to be a member one. You had to pay, if I remember correctly, you may have had to pay to a like register for the conference, you have to pay oh, yeah. for booth space, you have to pay for showcase. I mean, they just, it feels a bit like they're just nickel and diamond and they can really, and this is not like, you know, a hundred dollars here, $50 there. Like some of these things are like a thousand dollars to, to be the member. You have a 2000 or $3,000 for the booth, you know, another thousand dollars for the showcase, plus your cost of travel, plus you're not getting paid for, like it starts <laughs> to really add up all of a sudden. And again, and like if you get a handful of gigs out of it, it can be extremely worthwhile and lucrative. But at the same time, you may not get anything out of it. And you may have just, you know, spent a lot of money that didn't go anywhere. So is that like a fair, uh, you know, kind of summary there of like, this can get real expensive real quick. And that's why if you're going to go to APCA, if let's say you've got five grand, let's say you have saved and scrimped and you, you've taken a little bit of money off of, of every show you've done and you've built up a, a $5,000 pool to figure out a way to break into the college market more and get more gigs. APCA, you'll, you'll spend your $5,000 at either one of them. If you try to go it alone, APCA is the better place to go because you'll get more bang for your buck there. In NACA, NACA doesn't say it out loud, but they give preference. I mean, you can just see it in the way they, where they run things. They give preference to the people who have been there longer. Yeah. So what, what happens is, is during the national, the national conference, in the middle of one of the days, they open up the booths 
buying for the future regional conferences. So you'll find all of the agents are all just sitting around, like waiting in a line for when it opens because they've been doing it long enough. They know the game. They know to go in and they go, okay. And they got to pluck down money for that conference. Right. And it's not cheap. I think a booth, I don't know the last time, but a booth is probably between two and $3,000 for a single booth at a regional conference. Yeah. And that gets you like two full-time conference passes as well. So let's say it's just you by yourself you would not go until way later, which means you're going to get a really crappy booth space in the back corner, which booth traffic won't be flowing around, you know, things like that. And you're going to spend a couple thousand dollars just to get that. Right. And that only gets you the opportunity to submit, which means now you got to pay to submit, which submitting costs money. Then if you get picked to showcase, you actually have to pay to showcase. And then you got to pay to get yourself there. You got to pay to get yourself to a hotel. So you're talking... If you try to go it alone in NACA, you're probably talking five to $6,000, I would think. Yeah. Not counting all the costs to have marketing materials and good video and all that stuff that goes along with it. That's just straight up for that one regional or national conference in NACA. Whereas I think you could probably get away with a two to $3,000 for APCA. Right. If you look at it from a pure marketing return on investment, it's still probably the best thing because... Sure. All you got to do is book two or three gigs. <laughs> if that, or yeah. Make, make two or three connections to book a couple gigs and know that, that, you know, that's one of the hardest things in our business, I think, is the ability to track where a gig actually comes from and then to figure out what it costs you to, get, you know, if you, if you talk to people in the real business world, you know, acquisition costs for product and all that type of stuff, you know, that's something they talk about. Whereas for us, it's hard to figure out. But I do remember my first, my first three years I went to almost every single regional. I showcased at a whole bunch of them. I probably spent forty or fifty thousand dollars just going and attending the NACA conferences because there was eleven regions when I started, and they started consolidating them eventually. Yeah. I was lucky because I started showcasing a bunch right away. It was new. It was you know I was young and all that stuff, and I booked a lot, a lot of business from it too. But it cost a ton of money. Yeah. One of the things I was curious on is, I know my two cents from like the, the nodal world, but is it better to start at a regional or just to go straight for a national? If you have no, we were just talking earlier about a gentleman that we had heard on another podcast, this guy named Andrew Davis, who talks about, he has this, he has this fee, fee thing he calls it, that your fee in life when it comes to speaking goes fame, entertainment, expertise. In the college market, it's, it's 100% the same. So if you had some sort of thing that happened to you or you have some sort of fame or you had some sort of credibility, you can get a national showcase. You have a much better chance of getting a national showcase. If you have none of those things, then the chances of you getting a national showcase are really low. Just to give you an example, I had, I had probably done close to 20 regional showcases over the course of four or five years when my video went viral back in 2006. So I started in 2001, did a bunch of showcases over the course of those five years. Your business was going great. I was doing awesome. I was, I was loving it. Life had a great big, huge viral video. It still took me two more years before I finally got a national showcase. Yeah. And I literally went, and it wasn't really until I got some really good footage from America's Got Talent of all things. I went on there as a special guest and they did like an opening montage and we just submitted that for my showcase video. That's and, and I got it that year. Now, you could make the argument that previously, two years before, I was, without sounding conceited, I was pretty much the most talked about thing on the internet for a long time. Sure. Yep. And it should have been, it should have been a kind of a slam dunk from yeah. a showcase standpoint. And it still wasn't. 
Yeah. So it's always interesting because the nationals, the national is a different beast when it comes to showcasing than I think the regionals are. So for yeah. 99% of your listening audience, I would say start at the regionals. Yeah. Focus on the regionals because the regionals are where you're going to be and focus on your own region. Wherever you live, that should be the region that you should focus on because if nothing else, you're going to have a better understanding of the type of people that are there because each of the regions is different. And that's part of what makes our country great. You know, if you come from the, if you come from the East coast, they're a little different. The Northeast coast is a little different than going down to the South and talking to those people in those schools and things like that. So I would say if you're looking to get started, you want to do NACA, start in the region that you live in first. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree. I, I I had more success in the regions than I did on the national. So I did a couple of workshops on the national level. I did a couple of keynotes and workshops on the on the regional level. And I just found like this, they're smaller, they're easier to connect with people. At the national one, I found that it's a bit of a reunion among those people. Like they, that's the one time a year that they see each other. So there was a lot of catching up amongst them. And it was a bit harder to kind of get my foot in the door with some of them versus on the regional level. It's just, it was a lot smaller. It's much more intimate. And so it was a little bit easier to, to do that. One thing I'm curious on, we touched a little bit about this earlier before we started recording, but in the college market for doing a showcase or just getting your foot in the door in the college market in general, there's kind of a difference between being like, I'm a motivational speaker or, you know, let me just, I want to speak on my story and here's this crazy obstacle that I've overcome versus being more of a, a very specific topical speaker. What are your thoughts on how a speaker should or shouldn't position themselves in terms of, of what they're speaking on in the college world? Yeah. And this is, this is something that's ever changing every single year. Topics are much better received on college campuses now than just a generalized speaker. Not to put down anyone's story, not to say anyone doesn't have the capability to change lives and move people from inaction to action, but you're competing against a bazillion other things. You're competing against Netflix. You're competing against Fortnite. You're competing against Xbox, PlayStation. I mean, you're competing against all those things that students can do in their room. Yeah. One of the single most successful things on college campuses right now is stuff uh, whatever which is literally, they, they, this is the novelty acts, and this is why it's so interesting because there's no positive benefit to a student. They walk by, there's a machine there that's similar to what you would see in a Build-A-Bear workshop with just stuffing, and they can pick up an emoji pillow and stuff it, and then they get to take it with them. Like, that's it. Like, that's it. And from a business standpoint, it's the greatest business thing ever. I have friends who, who book that, and they're just like, it's like printing money. It's amazing. Yeah. But for speakers... This is true across, I think, all industries, period. College campuses are having a hard time getting students to come out for things. So your speech, if you want it to be more bookable, needs to be something that is a topic that is so so hot right now, that is such a, a polarizing idea or thought process that people are going to be talking about it. One of the other things that happens too is, is the colleges want to know how you're going to help get people to the show. Yeah. So if you've got a strong social media presence, if you're really good at, at promoting stuff via uh, Twitter and Instagram and Snapchat and all that stuff, that, that's going to help you as well because they're going to see that you're a partner in this thing because you're going to help them promote some. It, this is why working with an agency, especially in NACA is really important because the agency can help you say, okay, listen, you might want to print some posters that have a blank space where they can fill it in and you mail them 15 posters ahead of your show. So they yeah. can put those up around campus and things like that. They want to, they want to partner in that particular thing. Colleges are looking for 
more topical, relevant programming than just generalized, I'm going to help you live a better life. I'm going to help you chase um, your dreams, chase your dreams. You know, I'm going to teach you how to persevere. And that's, and that's really difficult because those things are all important, but yep. they're just not a priority to most college students now, even though they should be. I mean, we all know that that's great information for them to have. So I wouldn't tell people to try to come up with a topic that they think is just going to be good. Like you still have to have some passion for it. You still have to have some interest in it. Speaking of NOTA though, you know, if you're a general motivational achieve all you can achieve type speaker, NOTA might even be a better opportunity for you from a showcasing and, and focus standpoint, because orientation speaking is the one time where you can do multiple shows on multiple days because for a three week period in August and the beginning of September, pretty much every single college is having at least one speaker, if not multiple speakers on different things for the incoming freshman class. Yeah. Yeah. And we both know speakers who that August is when they make their living for the year. They just go school to school to school to school Um, a little bit in January, perhaps, but for the most part, August and September, they just, they kill it. And there's just not much else the rest of the year. And it's just, you know, kind of the way it is with the the college market and that, that space. No, it's crazy. I mean, there was one, there was one August, my best August ever, which was a combination of the year before the video hit and the year after. So I had a bunch, I booked a bunch of shows beforehand and then a couple more field. I did, 31 shows in 28 days. <laughs> it's crazy, dude. Yeah. And I was lucky. I was young. I didn't have, I wasn't married. I didn't have a, yeah. you know, so you, get away I, with it. you can get away with it. And I mean, I was exhausted when I got done, but man, for, I think that was like year, that might've been year four, year five as a speaker. Yeah. And I mean, in that month alone, I was probably going from anywhere from $1,500 to $3,000. Yeah. So I probably made $40,000 in that one, you know, that one thing. And it did, it took care of, it took care of your year yeah. when I'm, when I'm living somewhere for $800 a month. And that helps know. when you're living in the bachelor pad. Correct. When I, you know, you have very little, you know, when you're like, Oh, sure. Let's I'll eat macaroni and cheese again. Yay. It's I can do ten, that. $10 for 10, bo- $1 for 10 boxes. Great. Uh, so yeah. So Noda, Noda is a great place and especially the regional Nodas because yep. they are looking for orientation speakers. And if you have any sort of leadership, development from a workshop standpoint as well. If you can do breakout sessions, if you can do more hands-on training, they're always looking for that as well. So that's also an opportunity for you to then say, oh my gosh, here's some of the other things. So that's one of the other things, the difference between NACA and APCA. At APCA, you can showcase and do educational sessions. So you could submit for educational sessions and then you can get a showcase and you can do both which means you get more time in front of other people. You get to showcase some of your other skill set. In NACA, you can do showcasing or you can do ed sessions. You can't do both. And ed sessions at NACA are not as lucrative as they used to be. Uh, I think that's partially because some of the schools don't bring in as many trainers over the course. You know, speaking and training has a very overlapping idea and a lot of speakers also can do training and vice versa. So if you have that capability, that's one of the other things with NODA is a good thing to keep up because you know I'm sure you had some schools that brought you in to help train the orientation staff. Sure. So sure. we're going to bring you in, you're going to do the orientation staff beforehand and then you're going to speak to all the freshmen immediately afterwards and you can charge a little bit more and kind of do two for one. All the things that you can possibly do. So yep. 
Dude, I appreciate you taking the time to, uh, to chat with us. If people want to find out more about you and, and what you're up to, where can we go? Uh, you can just go to Judson Lipley, or if you can remember the struggle bus, you can go to the strugglebus.com. And if anyone has any questions, I mean, I know it's a lot of information and some of it probably doesn't make any sense because there's a lot of, I'm coming from it from us. I know there's a lot I already know. So there's probably some context that people are missing. I'm more than willing to answer any questions anyone has. NACA was a, the college market was an amazingly great thing for me when I got started and I still like doing some work in there, but it's definitely a road that takes some navigation and I have some really good mentors that helped navigate it for me early on. So yeah. more than willing to help in any way that I can. Cool, man. We appreciate that. Always, always enjoy chatting with you. My pleasure, my friend. We'll talk to you soon. All right, there you go. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Judson. Again, go back and check out episode 107 with him if you would like. And then also make sure you go to YouTube and check out that video of uh, his evolution of dance. Hey, like I mentioned to you at the beginning, if you want to check out that free Facebook group, go over to thespeakerlabgroup.com, thespeakerlabgroup.com. And we'd love to connect with you there with over 10,000 other speakers who are building and growing their business. So make sure you, uh, you check that out as well. All right, boys and girls, that wraps up today's episode. We'll catch you next time. You're awesome.